Elections for Hastings Borough Council happened on May the 6th. So we've been taking the opportunity to have a chat with local politicians to find out what their aims, aspirations and vision for the future of our town actually are. We're talking to Andy Patmore, the newly appointed leader of the Conservative Group in the Council. We're talking to Bob Lloyd from the Liberal Democrats and we're talking to Julia Hilton from the Green Party. Disappointingly, Councillor Kim Forward, who leads the Labour Group in Hastings Borough Council and indeed leads the Council overall, refused to take part in this series of interviews. So, let's hear from Andy Patmore. My name's Stuart Bailey, and this is Hastings in Focus. We're with the Conservative Group's new leader, Andy Patmore. Before we get into the nitty-gritty of the elections, I wanted to touch on last night's council meeting because we're recording this on April 15th and we had a council meeting last night. Um, Peter Chowney said the development of the old bathing pool site was effectively a done deal. Um, Now that's not going to please the 3,300 people who signed the petition that was delivered to the council offices on Tuesday. As far as I'm aware they they signed a a heads of terms some in fact it it goes back to a a number of years ago because uh, it's just an outline of of what they propose to do. Um, So no, I I, I can't believe that it's a done deal at all. And and in fact, the the council, and and they keep saying that it's down to the lawyers, but that that the council have delayed and delayed and delayed signing the actual lease agreement on the land. Um, In fact, you know, we we can now go, go back literally years whereby Peter Chowney said they would be signing the lease within two weeks. And I, I, and I you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that may have been about a year and a half ago. Um, I think possibly October 2019. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm shocked that they, that they still think that it's a done deal and that, you know, there's such an amazing uh, swell of feeling uh, from, from the public around that piece of land ended up with a 3,000 plus petition that they actually wouldn't sort of look at this again. I, I, you know, I have suspicions that the developer might, might be perhaps be getting nervous because there's such public interest in that area. It's kind of a theme that runs through Hastings Borough Council at the moment. Um, both at the bathing pool site and if you go further west out to Overhide, where there's the proposal for the 192 new houses, the, the council doesn't seem, and particularly the Labour group in the council, doesn't seem to be either trying to reach out for compromise or doing anything to calm people's anger. And in actual fact, it seemed to throw more fuel in the fire. Um, I, I would have always said to me, the council is like, it's like a juggernaut. And, and when they've set off in one direction, I mean, we had that with the solar panel array in the country park where where it was, it was apparent from the very beginning that Natural England and all of the policies surrounding that particular uh, development pretty much would, would say that it, it just wasn't possible. But then uh, get, getting consultants to come in to tell them that it, it couldn't go ahead, couldn't be stopped. So we ended up spending 30 or 40,000 pounds to ask consultants whether it could be done or not. Uh, and in the end, 
uh, it just all faded away. So coming, coming back to Bulgive, you, you have um, a council that has seen an opportunity to get a grant of in excess of six million pounds to build on awkward sites. This is, you know, it's a government scheme. And, and they've, they've, they've looked at Bulgive and thought that that seems like a very good idea. Um, obviously, it, it, it's a flood zone and it's a floodplain. And, and the, the Environment Agency itself has objected to the, to the initial development plan. And in that objection, they actually say that it's a floodplain and that it is a flood zone and that it is prone to flooding. And I, and I just think that you have residents who understand that, that area more than, than anybody else in town because they live there. They overlook that land, seeing it flood like a lake. I went there about a, a year ago and I've never seen such flooding than at that particular time. But the juggernaut is going in that direction and uh, it's going to be very difficult to turn it around until they are faced with such uh, problematic uh, objections that, that they will probably have to, uh, have to reject it. I've been down there and even if you just stand in the middle of, of the proposed development site, everything around you is at a higher level. And I've been shown some of the photographs from just flooding of last year. I think I was told recently by a member of the, the Labour Group and the Council that the site doesn't flood, it's just waterlogged, which again seems to be dancing in the head of a pin. I mean, I'm not an engineer, but you know, my, my common sense would say that that huge body of water that you, that you see on that land that accumulates there, uh, you know, in, in, on that floodplain, has to go somewhere if you do engineering works to be that's going to be a, 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 a huge challenge to whoever, whoever builds on that site but you know it's quite it, it's quite plain that the that the reasons for not building there have, have been you know clearly stated by the the environment agency which say that the development is is classed as highly vulnerable and, and in accordance with Table 2 of the flood zones and flood risk tables, um, they, they make it clear that, it sh that, that building there shouldn't be permitted. And really the only reason why we're even looking at building on this land is because there's this sort of pool of money, this six million pounds, which is somehow, you know, we're going to build, you know, some engineering to get around all of these problems, which, which really, you know, could, could just come back and, uh, and be a very pro problematic in the future. Coming on to the election proper, which is, is on the 6th of May, as the new leader of the Conservative group, where do you see Labour's weaknesses in the way it runs Hastings Borough Council? And, and where do you think your group and your candidates can, can go on the attack? One of the big areas that people are, I think, completely fed up with with, with their local council is is the fact that they 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 just don't listen. You know, you you brought up a situation where three thousand signatures were handed in to the borough council, and they're not listening. If you look at the corporate plan, and if you look at all of the the, the sort of mood music that goes around it, it's all about engagement, listening to the to, to the residents. But but unfortunately, they have a very poor record of doing that, and consultations end up being things that are just going through the motions. They are, they're, they're, they're things that they have to do 
by law, but but actually they're they're not really engaged with the public at all. And so I think that's that's a huge weakness of of the current Labour administration in Hastings, is that they they, they say they engage and listen to the public, but, but actually they don't. And they only do when it suits them to do so. There are, there are many areas, really. I, th- I think they would also have policies around homes. They always talk about fair rents and social housing. Yet when they have a chance to develop a property, so at the moment they're spending an enormous amount uh, to, to develop a property uh, in York, York buildings in the centre of town, a million pounds to, uh, to, to, to get six one-bedroom units there. But I, uh, I've asked the question before, and, and, you know, of course, if they're owned by the council, you, you would think that they would uh, put those out at LHA rates, local housing authority rates, so that they would be uh, uh, obtainable for local people. But no, they're not. Their, their plan is to, is to rent them out at full market rent because actually they can't afford to do anything else. So, so they talk a good game, but, but actually they, they don't deliver. Um, and it's a little bit like uh, street cleanliness. So, I mean, we've backed the uh, in-house street cleaning uh, from, from day one as, as a cross-party uh, thing. So, because, you know, we, we live in a, a resort town where people come and expect to, to see clean streets, a clean beachfront, etc. And uh, the fact that we have the opportunity to have the control over that in-house is a fantastic thing. But generally, the street cleanliness is, it, it, it has got better in the last couple of years, not just because we have our own in-house street cleaning team, but there are some amazing voluntary groups out there that, that, that are doing incredible work across the town. In fact, it's become quite a, a a thing to, to, to actually go out and uh, litter pick. I, I don't think that those groups get enough credit for, for the impact that they're having. I mean, they, they go and clear woodlands, they go and clear streets. It, it's quite extraordinary. And it, it, to, to the point where I think around the part of central St. Leonard's, they were, they were asked to come in um, by the council to help out cleaning the streets there. So, so it's, a, it, it's something that I mean, I'm passionate about anti-littering. It's, it's one, of, one of the things that, that I really dislike, things like fly tipping on our streets. And I just, I really think that um, it, it's, it's something that we can build on as a team between the public and the council. But uh, you know, the, the, the fact that the streets are cleaner now are, are not only down to the fact that we have a, a very you know, good in-house street cleaning team but but we also have some amazing volunteers across town environmentally we all sat at, at, a, at a council meeting and um, agreed that we should have a climate emergency and our goal of being carbon zero by you know in town by 2030 but actually we we haven't really done a great deal about it it's it, there's constantly talk about these things but but actually very very little being done so you know planting more trees, making sure that there are more solar panels on council buildings. Obviously, those things are, are, are being looked into and being done, but they're quite slow yeah. uh, to be done. We do need a greener town. I mean, it's as simple as that. But uh, in, in, instead of um, in investing 
huge amounts of uh, risky money on commercial investments across town. Perhaps we should have been in invested in, in some green technology like offshore wind or something like that. But you touched there on the, on the investments in property. And it's, it's possibly one of those things that the, the general public and, and, and voters don't, don't see. You know, they see the street, they see their bins being emptied and things like that. But obviously the, the Borough Council spent now, I think it's getting on for maybe slightly over £60 million buying commercial property. A lot of that retail property, um, and there must surely be a big risk in the current climate that you know, that's going to come back to, to bite the council and you know, the local people are going to be paying possibly for um, poor decisions for decades to come. It's been something that we've been highly, highlighting uh, since the very beginning of, of, of their investment in inverted commas um, into commercial property. Um, because originally, if you, if you look at those investments, I mean, the arguments at the very beginning were... Are they getting correct value for money for the, for the buildings that they were, they were buying? They were actually getting advice from a commercial partner uh, for buying buildings, which then, if you really dig deep into the paperwork, those commercial partners had a vested interest in selling other parts of, of these uh, investments as well. So, you know, are we getting best value? Are we paying the right money for those investments? Then, of course, the argument is all about the changing look of, of, of retail. And, and of course, you know, nobody wanted to see a pandemic, of, but it, it's highlighted that enormous change from retail to online. Yet we're, we've invested millions and millions of pounds into buildings that, that have quite risky customers in. And although in the short term, and I will acknowledge in the short term, we are making some profits from those buildings, those profits are reducing. And with uh, the council have had to make uh, some severe cuts in rents because of uh, the difficulty some of those property owners are in. So th that means that future void periods where perhaps these buildings become empty will become even more critical because as soon as you have a void period, all of those profits that you made in the past, say, four or five years, we'll just get eaten up within that void period. And I think one of the, the arguments were that a couple of those sites could, could, could very easily be made into housing sites and uh, possible building projects. Well, those take years, those take years to, to, to come to fruition. Yet we still have to pay month after month after month all of the borrowing costs um, I mean, it was, it was interesting, the very beginning uh, of the commercial um, investments that the council made, there was a board set up and it was called the Income Generation Board, so that it had to go through a, a very set uh, criteria to, to show that they could make money from, from borrowing uh, against these investments, these risky commercial investments. Um, that was then outlawed by the government. Um, because it was so risky and, and, it, and it had to have a regeneration aspect. Uh, of course, that, then that board that was income generation then became regeneration. So they just changed the, the, the wording, which was quite interesting. Um, however, it, it, it's still incredibly risky. And I mean, I'd like to highlight one of the, one of the, 
the huge risks uh, that it really was by, you know, more luck than judgment that the council dodged the bullet of not buying the building that Debenham sits in. So it, huge amounts of money on that, I understand, they wanted to pay. It came before the income generation board and they were being asked, um, I think, more than £10 million for the building. And uh, if, you, if you looked at the income generation board criteria, it scored higher on their matrix um, than, than the uh, Pets at Home and Dunhill Mill site did. It fulfilled all the criteria to buy, and it was only the fact that they, they found some problems um, with the, the, the roof and the surveyor wasn't particularly happy with the building, that it didn't eventually go through. Incredibly, some months later, the freeholder went bust, and the building was up for sale commercially at a, at a value of two and a half million pounds. So, you know, that, that's when we talk about best value when they're buying these buildings, that's what we're talking about. You know, have they been sold lemons at huge high prices? I mean, of course, the council would say that they're taking advice from, um, from, from, from various uh, commercial bodies, but um, sometimes that, that advice isn't particularly good. And of course, when you look at some of the other projects, you, you touched on your buildings project to develop those um, flats. I mean, that's massively over budget. The Country Park Visitor Centre, the, the straw bale build, the, the ecologically sound new visitor centre, that's gone, again, massively over budget. And the council has now landed itself with the cost of running the, the catering, which, of course, wasn't in its original sum. So Hastings Borough Council's overall financial management is not exactly sound. Um, I would I would completely agree with that. Yes, um, I would. I mean, York Buildings is is a real case in point because uh, when that was first muted as 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 being uh, developed by the council, uh, we what our advice was to sell it commercially and and let a a, a proper developer come in and do the development. They they have the resources. They have they have the the skills to do that. You have the possibility of putting a building like that at auction and then putting covenants in the sale agreements to say that it has to be developed within a certain amount of time, um, in which case the, the council would have taken a capital receipt and they, they, they would have just walked away. And those six flats that they're building now that they say that they need housing would have, would have actually still been built and funnily enough, you can't even make the argument that we're, you know, that we're going to rent them out at cheap, at cheap rates so that people can afford them, that the council are going to rent, rent those out at full commercial rates. So we're not actually getting in any particular cheap, you know, good LHA rate stock of housing. And so they went ahead and formulated a plan to develop it themselves. And in the end, you know, the, the, the budget has gone up from 700 and 80 odd thousand pounds to well over a million pounds to develop six one-bedroom flats commercially there, there isn't a, a company out there that, that, that would undertake such, such a, um, a decision like that and you know obviously the council's excuse is the fact that that, that it's it's a listed building and they had to do a lot more than they imagined well they could have avoided all of that by just selling it on commercially and let let the developer 
uh, find all of those things out. But no, instead, we've, we've spent over a million pounds on a, on a single building in town. And I think that there are a lot of people out there that would look at that million pounds and think, you know, when the council always constantly complain that they don't have enough money or that their funds are being cut by central government, that they, they have decisions. They have decisions of where their money's spent. And that those, those are the decisions that I think that a Conservative-run council could take better. Going back to the current campaign, you know, what are the challenges of campaigning at the moment? And you know, without that kind of door-to-door contact that you know, people like yourselves have at election time, you know, how, how can you tell what people are thinking? How, how can you tell whether they're moving in your direction? It, it, it must be a big challenge. It's a huge challenge, and um, from the very beginning, and I'll say at the outset that I I completely disagreed with the government when they uh, brought out a set of guidelines that said that political parties could um, canvas on people's doorsteps. Hmm. And um, from from the very beginning, I I made the the case to my group to, to say, uh, that, that we shouldn't be doing that. And I, I asked many, you know, friends, family, uh, neighbours, and I said, how would you feel, you know, if uh, we're being told to stay at home, yet we're telling political parties that they can go out there and knock on doors? I, I, I thought that that, that was, um, w- was very poor. And, you know, I managed to persuade the group to not campaign on the doorstep. We came in for, for, for some very strange criticism about that. In a, in a pandemic, I think we can, we can do something slightly different. So that's been a massive challenge. And um, some, some parties have obviously agreed with, with, with that view. Uh, however, um, of course, we, we do have other ways of, of reaching people, which is our, um, our literature uh, invites people to get in touch by email or by telephone, you know, whether it's the candidates directly or with the Conservative office. And we will engage and listen to people wherever we can. Our candidates have telephone numbers of the electorate who have opted in to have their numbers be used in that way. And they have been phoning people and speaking to people and asking the, the residents what, you know, what, what their problems and, and what their aspirations are. So it, it's, it's been enormously challenging, of course, and, it, and, it, and I have to say that it, it's so unusual, this election, the, the, the way that we have to conduct ourselves within the pandemic. And then, of course, on top of that, we've, we've had the, uh, the, the, the untimely death of Prince Philip, we're out of respect with we decided not to campaign on uh, last weekend and we won't be campaigning on Saturday when the, when the funeral of Prince Philip is held. Um, and, and we'd really hope that all the other parties would respect that as well. So it has been a challenge, but of course, we're in this virtual hybrid world. So um, we, we, we can telephone, we can email, we can Zoom, we, you know, so we don't have to knock at people's doors. And I, and I think at the while we're, we're still in this situation, I think it would be very unappropriate for us to do so. 
arithmetically, it's possible that you could wake up on, on May the 7th as, as leader of the council. Realistically, I, I, I don't think that's likely to happen. But were that to be the case, you know, what would Hastings Borough Council under Andy Patmore and the Conservative group look like? Very interesting. Yes, waking up to, on the 7th of May, um, as you said, it, it's uh, statistically probably unlikely. But however, if I did wake up and I was the leader of the council, um, I, I think I, I think the emphasis on the way that we um, the, the way that we promote our town would change. We, 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 we don't seem to be making the most of what we have here. We are, we're a we're a seaside town, which which commercially relies on, on visitors coming into the town. You know, our, our Hastings uh, uh, history is, is amazing. I mean, you know, if you ask school kids any date whatsoever, everybody knows that the Battle of Hastings was in 1066. We have a castle here. We have, a, you know, castle ruins that are just you know, untouched and never visited. I mean, hopefully the, uh, the, 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 the local deal of the 25 million pounds will, will help that out but you know you have a town along the road battle which has the, the battle abbey it's a it's a english heritage uh, owned building i mean they 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 their, their whole town strategy is, is around the, the heritage of 1066 yet here we, in hastings we make make very little of that we we have we have replicas of uh, the bayo tapestry that could be displayed somewhere, whether it's in our museum, whether it's in a purpose-built building, but we, we, we don't make the best of our, of our history. We are a seaside town. We need, we need that influx of people to generate the, the finances for the, for the town. Um, we have some other incredible you know, things in town, like uh, the, the, the Hastings Piano Concerto, competition it's now become a, a, a world-renowned competition it's amazing but but I, I I get complaints from the organizers that that Hastings Borough Council do don't want to engage with them at all about furthering plans to make it into something very special for the town uh, we have uh, venues in the town like St Mary in the Castle White Rock Theatre which are um, which are I don't want to be too derogatory about them because they're, they're very important parts of our town, but they're not being made the most of. And I, and I think that, uh, that we could really regenerate ourselves with, uh, with the arts and with our heritage in, in, in the town. And it's something that, you know, on, uh, on the 7th of May, um, should I wake up in that, in that strange daydream, um, that, that would be at the top of my list for the way that this town operates. Everything that we that we want to achieve, whether it's bringing more jobs, bringing that money into town, is really important to everything that we want to do in this town and to what we want to achieve. Whether it's um, educating uh, our our youngsters so that they can grow up and know they they have job opportunities, everything flows from from the town's finances it's incredibly important we're, we're never going to to be uh, uh, brighton or eastbourne we just don't have the population but what we do have here is it is, is an incredibly vibrant town with with a huge amount of 
talent, whether it's in the, the arts or you know, in music in general. And we, we just have to make the most of that. And, and of course, our heritage is just has to be at the top. I mean, you know, this is Hastings. This is 1066 country. Let's make the most of it. The Guardian uh, had a headline the other day saying, bullish greens target lackluster labour in local elections. Do you feel that the, the, the fact that the Greens in Hastings are, are contesting every ward this time? You know, I suppose that's likely to take votes from Labour rather than from the Conservatives. Is, is that something you you look at with, with a sort of warm feeling? Um, I, I have to say that I don't, I don't really uh, have an opinion on on. on the Greens putting a candidate in every ward in Hastings. I, I, I think it, it, it's their electoral right to do so. And um, I, I think it, you know, if people have the opportunity to, to vote for, for, for different um, parties, whether they be independent or, or green, um, then they, they, they have the right to do so. Um, I, what I would say, though, is that if I, if I was a, a, a green member um, and I would like to vote Green. They've done deals with Labour before where, where they've dropped out of, uh, of the parliamentary vote to, to try and unseat the Conservative MP. And, you know, I'd feel very disappointed about that, 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 that I don't have the opportunity to vote Green at, at, at every opportunity. And that perhaps, you know, if, 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 that, if that party sees an opportunity to somehow gerrymander a situation, that they'll do so. Um, the Conservative Party would never, ever step down from any ward seat uh, at any time to do a deal with anybody. It, it's always been our policy to, to have a, a Conservative candidate in every ward and every seat in town so that Conservative voters have the opportunity to vote Conservative and they will always be able to do that. And so yeah, I, I, I welcome the choice of having Green on the ballot paper um, and so, yeah, that's all I can say on that, really. Bring it on. That's, that, 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 I think, is quite a, a, a strong message to end, to end on. Um, so, Andy, thanks for your time. Um, I was about to say you can never get back out in the streets, but obviously <laughs> you can. Um, so thank you for that, and um, be interested to see what happens in May the 6th.